All right, why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. It says this, On that day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, that's his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose. There's a bit of a windstorm last night, wasn't there? And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you ever felt like that with God in your life? Things are not really going to plan. Do you even care that I am perishing right now? Do you feel like sometimes God's asleep in your world? Come on, talk to me. Yes, I feel like he's asleep in my world a lot of the time, don't you? Be moments where you believe him for stuff and nothing seems to be happening and you feel like going and shaking him awake because life seems to be spilling over and filling up and turmoil's happening and, and he just doesn't seem to be there, yes? And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm and he said to them, why are you so fearful? <laughs> They're fearful because the boat's sinking and these are fishermen they're professionals so when they get worried in a storm you know you should be worried because this is what they do for a living why are you fearful the boat's filling up Duh. okay maybe you don't have my sense of humor how is it that you have no faith or other translations say little faith and we've talked about this before you don't have to have big faith when jesus talks about little faith He's not talking about you having a whole lot of faith because the Bible says this, there's the faith of a mustard seed. You can command this mountain to be up and thrown into the sea and so it will happen. The mustard seed is the smallest seed that you can get and it's a very small seed. I believe when Jesus says here, why do you have little faith? It's not how much faith, but the length of time that you hold it. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's what I would like to slap them and go, who do you think it is? Then in Mark 5 verse 1, it says, then, everyone say then. then. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of, I can't even pronounce it, so I'm going to try, Galerinus, works for me. And, and that, so it says, then they came to the other side. So they've gone through this experience They've been fearful, they've been worried. Jesus calms the storm, and then they come to the other side. Then we move into Mark chapter 6, verse 45, and it says, Immediately, this is after he's fed the 5,000, immediately he said to the disciples, Get into the boat, go before him to the other side to Bethes. I practiced this all morning. While he sent the multitude away, and he and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening, evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, and he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. I really feel like today there's some people here that you feel like in life, you're, still, you're just straining through life because the wind's against you. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he would have passed them by, which I find that really fascinating is there they are, they're struggling, and Jesus was just going to keep walking on by. You know, like. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. He, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. When, everyone say when, they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gesineret and anchored there. There's two, two words here that I want to hopefully help you with this morning. And there's two pieces of scripture. Then and when. Then and when, when they had crossed over the then 
and the when. See, I, I believe for every single one of us, every single person in this place has an other side. Every single person in this place has something that God has promised you or something that God has saying, hey, this is where I am taking you. This is where we're going. This is the next level that I'm bringing you to. This is the next breakthrough that you're going to have. That something is brewing on the inside of every single one of us as we follow Jesus, that there's an other side to the situation, that there's an other side to what we're going through, that if we can just get through this, there's something good on the other side. It's a it's a little bit like a, a, a road trip, you know, when you were younger. And I can remember we would always go on holidays and do road trips and go camping. And, and Dad would be driving in the car and there'll be four of us kids in the back. And and without fail, after about half an hour, it was usually me. We would I would say, are we there yet? And my dad's response would be every single time, so, so this one time we were, we were driving from Taronga where I grew up all the way to Wellington. And, um, and I remember half an hour into it, I probably said, are we there yet? And my dad would say, 15 more minutes. That would be his answer. Even after four hours, 15 more minutes, 15 more. I think it was his way of tormenting me because he got sick of me saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Have you ever felt like that with God, that question that you have with God, like, God, are we there yet? Like, I know you promised me this. I know this is what you said, that if I do all these things, that this is what's on the other side of that. This is what's on the other side of my faithfulness. This is what's on the other side of my giving. This is what's on the other side of my prayer life, my worship life. All that. This is what, are we, are we there yet? And if, if we're not there yet, like, how, how much longer? Has anybody ever asked God that question? And, and here's my question, where, where is there anyway? Like, when you're following Jesus, like, where is there? Are we there? Where is there? What does there look like? And I think all of us know that, if we're really honest with ourselves, all of us really understand that we're not there yet, right? Like, it's not, we may ask God, are we there yet? But we all know that we're not there yet. Lord, we, we know you've got a plan and a purpose and a destiny for my life, and, and we all have that sense in our heart that God has got us, and he's taking us from somewhere to some place, but we just want to know where we are going, and we want to know, are we there yet? Like, are we close? Like, do we need to stop for a toilet break, or can I hold it for the next half hour? Are we there yet? Because I've done everything that I know what to do. This is where most of us can get in life. Where we're doing everything we know to do. We're reading our word. We're praying. We're serving. We're giving. We're part of a small group. We're doing everything we know to do. And then we start to have this sense like I'm doing all this stuff. And the guy up the front told me if I do all this stuff, my life will eventually go well. And it will go well, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to have trouble along the way. And so you're kind of like, I'm doing all this stuff, and, and shouldn't, shouldn't I be there by now? Like, shouldn't I be at that place? Shouldn't I be at that level? So here's a question that I have for you. What do you do when you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you want to be? You know, I'm not, I'm not where I used to be, yeah? There's a bunch of you here that are not where you used to be. Praise God, we're not where we used to be. Saying so one or two people, you'd rather be the person that you were before you knew Jesus? Oh, okay, cool. So we're glad that we're not where we used to be, but we're not where we want to be. And so what do we do in the meantime? What do we do between what we used to be and what it is that we believe God is calling us to be? What do we do in the meantime? And the thing is, is if we're really honest with ourselves, not just in church, but in life entirely, in our culture, we don't really talk about the meantime, yes? We, we, we tend to live in a society that likes the highlights. You know, we want, we want to celebrate the gold medal success, but we don't really get up, you don't see a news item and go, hey, uh, we've been following Johnny since he got chosen for the New Zealand team, and uh, what we've done is, is, is we're not going to show you the gold medal moment, we're just going to show you 
all the training, all the hard work, all the early mornings, all the food that he had to eat. It's not very pleasant. It's all, we're just going to show you what happened in the meantime. Not one of us will watch that news item. Not one of us will go and watch a movie that's just about what people did in their day-to-day life without anything awesome at the end of it. We, we don't really talk about the meantime. We want highlights, and we, and we want to live from one highlight to the next highlight. That's why you've got some Christians that go from one conference to the next because they're looking for a highlight in their lives rather than doing the process of walking with Jesus. You see, we don't really, we want to talk about the next promotion or whatever. We don't really talk about the meantime and history typically does not record the meantime either. Even when you look at your Bible and you look at the life of Jesus, between the age of 12 and 30, it doesn't really say anything that he did. It doesn't really talk about it. it. doesn't really say what he did. But the meantime matters because between 12 and 30, it matters because he, pro- he went through puberty. He discovered he had armpit hair. He probably had to deal with acne. He had to learn to work with his father. Aren't all those things important? Aren't all the things in the meantime important? But we don't really talk about the meantime, nor do we celebrate the meantime. We often talk about what God has brought us out of and where he is taking us to, but we don't really talk about what he did in the middle. We don't really talk about what happens in the meantime. And that's what really caught my attention in this gospel and these two stories, because it says, then they crossed over, And then it says, and when they had crossed over. And so how do we get from the then to the when? Like, like what happens in the meantime? What happens between the then they get into the boat and the when they crossed over? Like, what what, what do we do in the meantime? You know, I think that there's a lot of people out there, and and if I'm really honest with you, I'm, I'm probably up to here with all these seven steps to a better life. If it was only seven steps to a better life, everybody would do them and everyone would have a better life. You know, uh, as a pastor, I'm completely over, if I'm honest with you, going along to a conference, do these five things and you'll grow your church. If it was those five things, every church would be growing. You know what it is? That's like, I don't know what to do in the middle. I know the then and I know the when, but I don't know what to do in the middle. So there must be some secret code, like five simple steps that you do in the meantime that gets you to the when. And we treat it like there's a code, or we look at other people that have been successful, and we're like, oh, if I do what they did, then I'll have the same outcome. The problem with that is, is what God called them to walk is not what God calls you to walk, and if it was just seven simple steps that you could follow that everybody else does, then God is just a vending machine where you put your money in and you poke in the correct code and you get the outcome you want. Are you hearing me? Well, that's not a relationship, is it? Yes? Try it. Go home and walk up to your wife and just go, hold on, I just need to poke in a code to get my lunch today. See how that goes for you. It's, that's, that's not a relationship. The basis of relationship is that the people involved are unpredictable, yes? I had an unpredictable thing happen to me this week. Trinity and I, we always pray together before we go to sleep. And we do that every night. It's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful until this one time when Trinity was praying this week and she said, God, we thank you for an incredible day today and we thank you for helping Craig with whatever he does. Whatever he does? Wow. And then she laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And I'm like, I'm meant to be in prayer. It's meant to be serious. And she laughed even more. Hey, relationships are unpredictable, Yes. Come on. Come on, I heard, I heard, I don't mean to be crushed when I say this, but I heard Christine Kane say this once, that before she married her husband, Nick, he was a knight in shining armor, but after they got married, she realized he was a farting, burping sex machine. 
It's unpredictable, isn't it? It's unpredictable. And here's the thing, God is predictable, yes? From Genesis to Revelation, God is predictable, but God leaves a lot of wiggle room in his predictability so that he can surprise you. And we, when we start working through, we go, oh, if I do these seven things, or if, if I fast more, if I pray more, if, you know what that is, is that you, you're trying to find a secret code. Now, I'm not saying that fasting more and praying more is a bad thing. That leads to better behavior, but it doesn't, you can't twist the arm of God to do what you want. You cannot spiritually manipulate him to do what it is that you want. And I've discovered that people are trying to get to the other side of their stuff or they're trying to get into this thing that they believe that God has called them to wherever the other side is. Maybe it might be healing. Here's a really cool testimony. John was, uh, was told today, uh, told this week by the doctors that he's cancer-free. How cool is that? Come on. Your other side might be a healing. Your other side might be a miracle. Your other side might be a blessing on your business that you've been crying out to God. It might be dreams and visions that you've had to come to pass, to come to fruition. We all have an other side that we're looking for. But when we start making it just about seven steps and we tell everybody, hey, just do what I did, I can guarantee you if you try to copy what somebody else did to get their breakthrough, I guarantee for you it will not work. Because that then means that you're doing what God spoke to them to do and God wants to speak to you and God wants it to be personal and God is not a vending machine that you can just poke in the code that everybody else does and get the outcome that you're after. It's a relationship. God is a person. We must look to him, not to the concepts, but to him. Don't get me wrong. There are some principles that we can implement into our lives that we can implement into the running of a church or running of a business or whatever. But we don't look to the concepts. We look to him, the author, the finisher of our faith, to the person who is the Lord Jesus Christ. But the question still remains, Craig, that's nice. But what do we do between the then and the when? What do we do in the meantime? What is it that we do in the middle? Here's the thing. For a lot of us, in the meantime, can be years. Jesus, it was 12 to 30, 18 years. Here's the problem I have sometimes with myself and others, is that we want God to do it instantaneously, but yet Jesus still had to wait 18 years. He's the Son of God. David, from the time he was appointed king before he became king, was 40 years. Moses, from the time that God called him to be the deliverer before he became the deliverer, was 40 years. And we want God to do it in 40 seconds. And when he doesn't do it in 40 seconds, we want to know what he, we get for free. Because we treat him like he's McDonald's. For Jesus, it was a lot of years. Paul, the apostle, gets knocked off a donkey and God speaks to him and says, Paul, why do you persecute me? God visits him. He hears an audible voice which turns him around. He had an audible voice encounter with God. I, I don't know about you, but if God audibly spoke to me, it would get my attention. Sometimes I wish he would because I'm a bit stupid and I don't always see the signs. You know, you hear the audible voice of God, you think, man, Paul, Paul, you are, you're ready to go. No, for the next three years, Paul had to go away somewhere uh, to Arabia and Damascus, and he was silent for those three years. Why? Because in the meantime, he had his then, but before he could have his when, there was a meantime. In the meantime, matters to God. It really matters to him. So what do we do? In the meantime, you're probably getting sick of me asking this question. You really just want me to answer it for you, don't you? Do we just do we just hope? Do we just wish? Do we just pray? Do we just well, I've done this before. Do we beg someday that the next highlight will come along? Or do we realize that there's significance always in the meantime? 
There's significance always in the middle. In the meantime, what do you do when you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you want to be? And you know that God has called you to be there, not where you were, so what do you do now? You know, we look at people that have um, have had a breakthrough financially or physically or relationally or motivationally or whatever it is it might be, and we think, man, that, and we do, don't we? We kind of think there must be a secret that they have or maybe they pray more than I am. Maybe they're more, I know why they get breakthroughs. They're more spiritual than I am. They're more in tune with God than I am. They're more spiritual than I am. And so people just come to this conclusion that because I'm not as spiritual as all these other people, then, you know, I'm, I'm never going to get through the other side of the storm. I'm never going to make it to the other side. All the stuff that I feel like God has told me to, that he's going to do for me, it's just never going to happen. I'm never going to be able to pastor a church. Um, my business, 18 years of age, I was prophesied over me that I'd, be, that I'd pastor a church and that I'd see people come to Christ. It didn't happen until I was 35. Meanwhile, all the ones that I trained up, all my interns that I trained up while I was in youth ministry, they were all doing full-time ministry, pastoring churches, and I was just working a normal job. And I can remember asking, when is my time? When is my time? When is my time? Maybe it's that business that you're trying to get off the floor and it just doesn't seem to be happening and you think it's never going to happen. That dream is never going to be fulfilled. Because I'm just not spiritual enough, or I'm just not in tune with God enough, or I don't pray enough, or I don't do this enough. Can I can I say to you that we read in Mark 6:52 that the men that Jesus handpicked to put on the boat, the Bible says that their heart were hardened. The guys that Jesus said, Hey, you are my guys to come on this boat to go on this journey to the other side to fulfill a mission that I have. I'm picking you, the guys with the hard hearts. Doesn't that give you, I don't know about you, but it gives me great hope. It gives me great hope because if I was Jesus, I would be halfway through the trip and go, you flipping hard-hearted, that's it. We're turning around and we're going back and I'm going to find other people that don't have hard hearts. I'm going to find the people that have nice, soft, kind hearts. And they're gonna, you, you, you had your chance. Back to shore we go. That's how I would do it. That's probably how most of us would do it, but not Jesus. Jesus says, you know what, you can, you, you're coming with me. Come on, get on the boat. Let's go. Let's go. In my opinion, those two verses shouldn't go together, that he calls them to go on a journey with him, and they have hard hearts. That shouldn't go together. It doesn't make sense. But he takes the hard-hearted all the way across and God will take every single one of us all the way across in spite of how our heart is towards him, in spite of our frustrations, in spite of our doubts, in spite of our unbelief at times, he takes us to the other side. He takes us from our then to our when. That's what he does. So I ask the question once again, what did they do to get to the other side? How did they get there? We know God's a good God. We know that he, that he wants to see the desires of your heart come to pass. I mean, here's the crazy thing. God put that vision and desire in your heart in the first place. It came from him. Yes? You didn't invent it in your own head. He put it in you. He gave you all the giftings and the callings that you have. So what do I do in the meantime? How do I access the other side? What did the disciples do? Are you ready for this? This is like mind-blowing stuff. This will change your life. How did the disciples get from the then to the when? What did they do in the meantime? This is going to blow your brains. They stayed in the boat. They stayed in the boat. That's all they did. They stayed in the boat. Their hearts didn't change because they were still hard. They just stayed in the boat. The boat, they stayed in the boat and it seemed so small and it seemed so insignificant that they would stay in the boat. But can I say this to you? The longer you stay around Jesus, the more significant staying around Jesus becomes. 
Oh, let me say that to you again. When you are going through frustration, when you go through stuff and you don't understand, and when God, when is it going to happen? Why haven't I seen this yet? The longer you stay around Jesus, the more significant becoming being around Jesus becomes. They stayed in the boat and they stayed around Jesus. Or let me put it this way. They stayed in church. They stayed in this small group. They stayed connected. They stayed in prayer. They stayed in the word. They stayed in their giving. They stayed in their serving. They did not get out of the boat. And the worst thing that we can ever do when we're going through seasons of frustration is to get out of church. You're just going to stay in it. How long? For as long as it takes. Stay in the boat. Man, there's going to be temptations. There's going to be temptations that will cause you to get out of the boat. But can I say this? One thing that will keep you in the boat, and we've heard it already this morning, is a heart of gratefulness. How about we just stop for a moment, and I want you to think about this. Can we celebrate that we're not where we used to be? I think we're so focused on where we want to get to that we fail to see the goodness of God. It's running after me. It's running after me. When my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Why? Because I'm not who I used to be. I'm a, I'm, a better, I'm a better husband than I used to be. I'm a better dad than I used to be. I think I'm a better pastor than I used to be. I think I'm a better person than I used to be. I think that I'm a better follower of Jesus than I used to be. Can, can, we, can we, in the middle of our frustration, actually stop long enough to be grateful and to celebrate that I'm not that person I used to be? Gratefulness will keep you in the boat. The other thing that causes you to get out of the boat is this thing where we struggle in obscurity. We want to be known and we want everybody to know us and we want to be, feel like we're significant and we want people to be grateful about who we are. But Isaiah 49 verse 2 says, He has sharpened me like a sword and hidden me in the palm of his hand. He has polished me like an arrow and hidden me in the quiver. Here's the thing. It's not that people can't see you. It's that God has hidden you. Why? Because in the meantime, when you're not in the spotlight, is when God can work on your character the most. He polished the shaft. He made me, worked on my character, made me into a sharpened sword, worked on my character while it was in, in the darkness and not in the light. I want to tell you, my character flaws, because I'm on the stage, shine brighter to you than your character flaws do to everybody else. Don't despise obscurity. There's a power in obscurity. There's a character development that happens on obscurity. And then he puts you in the quiver and he waits for the right time. The problem with all of us, and I include myself in this, it's not that you haven't heard the call. It's not that you don't have a destiny. It's not that you don't have a desire or a vision or a dream of your when. You've left your then. You have a vision of your when. Our problem is, is that we get our timing all wrong. And when we get frustrated in the meantime, time, we end up having Ishmael's rather than Isaac's. And then when we get to the when, it's never what we thought it would be because we've now got Ishmael's that we're bringing along with us on the journey that God never intended because we have to trust him. Let's celebrate that we're not who we used to be. And in the midst of that celebrating, we also know that God's taken us somewhere in the, you know, and, and the best is yet to come. There's just, I don't know about you, but I always feel like in God, there's just something around the bend. That bend is really long. And it's just, just around the bend. It's just around the bend. It's like I remember once we went to Australia once and we're staying what I thought was quite close to SeaWorld and and I said to our Trinity sisters that come with us on the trip, and I said to them, it's, it's like a 15-minute walk, 15-minute walk. It was, it was about an hour walk, 
and about 30 degree heat. And they would say to me, how much fur is, it's just, it's just around the next bend. It's just around the next bend. Oh, stupid me. I was young, okay, I was like 22. I'm stupid, all right? If you're 22, I'm sorry, you're not stupid. I was stupid. God has even greater things for your life and for my life. For this church, God has got more. He actually has more. So what do we do in the meantime? You know, this is what I'm convinced is that people do too much in the meantime. People overdo things in the meantime. Men, we are the worst at doing, just being faithful in the meantime because we want to fix the meantime. That's why when our wives come to us upset and they say, honey, I need to talk to you about something, we go, I will fix this. Super husband, I will fix this for you. And she's like, I don't want you to fix this. How do you not want me to fix this? This is what I do. I fix things. I am a fixer man. I just want you to listen. And we struggle, don't we? We struggle, guys, especially in the meantime. But can I suggest you in the meantime is a time where you want to be listening, not doing. You want to tune into the voice of God, not get busy trying to fix why you're still in the boat. It's all right, baby. I'm going I'm to handle it. I'm going to take care of it. You end up doing too much and you make it worse, not better. And then all of a sudden you're straining just like these guys were into the wind. And you can't get to where God wants you to be. And you've got to rest. You've got to trust. You've got to have faith. He's the captain of the ship. He put that desire in you. He is faithful to see it through to the end. It's trust. It's trusting in him. It's trusting in what he is doing. He's the one who got you into this boat in the first place, remember? He's the one who called you out of where you were to where you are. He's the one who saved you, delivered you, and redeemed you. He's the one who put the desire and dream on the inside of you. He's the one that did that. And what he started, he will finish if you stay in the boat. If you get out of the boat, you'll never get to the other side. You have to stay in the boat. And don't tell me that they weren't tempted to jump ship. I'm sure they looked back at the shore that they had come from and go, you know what, it's a bit crazy out here. It's a lot safer back there. And probably wanted to go. We see that all the way through Scripture, don't we? The Israelites coming out of Egypt into the Promised Land. We want to go back. We miss the lentil soup. <sighs> Morons. If you've ever had lentil soup this, and you miss it, there's something wrong with you. Looking back at the beach, they were loving life back there. They just fed the 5,000 for crying out loud. We're like, Whoa! let's go back there. That was awesome. Let's try and repeat the move of God. Let's try and make a move of God happen again like we've experienced in the past. Look forward and all you can see is the mountain waves and the clouds and they're getting more and more and they're getting thicker and greyer by the minute. And here's the thing, friend, there are going to be days like that. If you're going to fulfill the purpose of God and be all that God's called you to be, if revive is going to continue in the purpose to which God has birthed us and instituted us in the earth, there's going to be days behind you that are brighter than the days that seem to be in front of you. But those are the days you have to stay the course. Those are the days you have to stay in the boat. And what that means for us and what it means, for example, for a, a stay-at-home mum, is it means that you, you love God and you keep taking care of your babies. And what it means is that you stay in church and you stay engaged and you stay in the Word and you stay trusting in Jesus that He's working all of this together for good because the greatest job anyone can ever have on the face of the planet is raising the next generation. You're not in the meantime, you're right smack in the middle of God's will for your life. This is the thing about storms. They never last. 
They come and they go. You're not where you used to be. You've come through storms, yes? You're not where you used to be, but you're not where you want to be. And so what do you do? You stay in the boat. You stay in church. Listen to this as I finish on this. If um, Maddie can come and play. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Cool, Craig. When, when's my due season? When it's due. When would that be? I don't know. I just know it's in a due season. I had a really, really good friend of mine when I was younger. A guy by the name of Danny Vavusu. Danny Vavusu was a phenomenal dad, great leader, pastor, I think, in the church at the time. He was my gym buddy. He was a Samoan fella. And we'd be bench pressing and he'd be doing like 150 kgs and I'd be doing like 20 kgs. But he would celebrate my 20 kgs like he had been pumping 500 kgs. He was just one of those kind of guys. He was amazing. And then he got diagnosed with blood cancer. And the church got around and everyone got around and and we're praying and praying and praying and praying. And I remember Danny saying to me, he said, you know, when I got that diagnosis, all of a sudden, in an instant, waves were crashing. Clouds were building. A storm was gathering around me and I couldn't see my way out. And then he said this, he said, and the problem is when you're going for a storm is people want to give you answers. And he goes, when I was in the middle of the storm, I didn't need answers. I needed Jesus. See, this is the problem. When we go through difficult times or we go through the meantime, we go through the frustrations, we're wanting answers. You don't need answers in the middle of your frustration. You just need Jesus. Someone who is sick or terminally ill doesn't need your latest theology. They just need Jesus. Somebody who needs a breakthrough in their marriage doesn't necessarily need you to tell them all the things that works in your marriage. They need Jesus in their marriage. They don't, people, people don't need answers. They need Jesus. The lost and the dying and the suffering in our community don't need answers. They need Jesus. Jesus is the answer, but they don't need our answers. They just need Jesus. And there he was in the meantime, and he just said to me, don't give me any answers, just pray for me. I just need Jesus. And he's there on his bed as he passed away. He looks at everybody in the room, his hospital room, and he, and he just said to everybody, his last, some of his last words that I heard him say was, hey, guys, you just need Jesus. And then he passed away. And I remember having discussions with God and asking him why he didn't heal then. Because when I read my Bible, Jesus heals. When I read my Bible, Jesus is healer. And just so it's really, really clear to you, I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that Jesus still heals today, and he'll heal tomorrow, and he'll heal next week, and he'll heal in years to come. Jesus heals. But why? Why, why didn't he heal Danny? I don't know. It's not my job to answer all the cosmic questions. It's my job to stay in the boat. It's my job to stay in the boat. And even with the waves mounting and the wind howling, it's my job to stay the course to trust God. For if we don't lose heart, we will reap in due season, whether in this life or in the life to come, we will reap, it says. And I want you to notice something because this is a real key thing. I believe for us, when we're going through difficult seasons and we're not seeing God come through, the Bible says this, that we shall reap. Sometimes when you don't feel like you're reaping, you need to go to a place where we are reaping. It doesn't say there, 
If you don't lose heart, you will reap a reward. If you don't lose heart, it says, we will reap a reward if we don't lose heart. Why? Because we are the people that get around us and help us to go through when we feel like we're not reaping. Others encourage us. Come on, man, we can do this. We can reap together. We can see this thing come to pass. When we're starting to lose heart, the we get around us and say, man, don't lose heart. God's got you. God's got a plan. God's got a destiny. He's prophesied over it. He's not a man that he lies. and he, he, he he's, he's a good, good God. He does good, good things. And it may not feel good right now, but I'm with you because we aren't going to lose heart. I'm going to walk with you through this so that we can reap in the future. When you don't feel like you're reaping, you need to come to a place where we reap. We weep. Reap. And we weep. The Bible says when you weep, I weep. When you succeed, I succeed. When you reap, I reap. Your success is my success. I need you to reap because it helps me and inspires me that I too will reap sometime. We reap together. Your miracle inspires my miracle. John's healing inspires healing that I'm believing for others. We need one another. I'm telling you, in times of storms, in the meantime, you need to stay in the boat. Don't get lost in the obscurity. Don't get bitter about not being where you want to be. Celebrate that you're not who you used to be. Stay in the boat. Stay in the church. Stay around people that are going to help you. Stay around others that are reaping. Stay around others that haven't lost heart. Stay in the boat. We're not going to jump ship. We're not going to jump overboard. We're not going to, and I'm not going to let you jump overboard either. We're not going to let each other jump overboard. We're going to keep each other in the ship. You're not who you used to be. Praise God that we're not who we used to be. Man, if, if that's it, I'm happy. I don't know about you, but if that's it, I'm happy. But I'm so believing for so much more. But even when I get frustrated, and you can trust me, the last three years I've been hugely frustrated. I even get frustrated this year, but I'm not getting out of the boat. I'm not getting off course and staying the course. Staying the course. You're not who you used to be, and you are going to be where you're supposed to be in your due season. Amen? We need a friend in that boat who'll say, man, you're not, you're not jumping today. You're not losing heart today. We're not doing that. You're not, you're not who you used to be. You're going to be all that God created you to be. You're going to stay in the house. You're going to stay connected. We're going to stay in the boat because we're going to reap together everything that God has for us. What do you do when you are between your then and your when? In the meantime, just stay in the boat and make sure you have people around you that will keep you in the boat. Or make sure you're around people that are reaping because we reap. Yeah? There's one thing that I'm learning more and more and more as I study the scriptures, especially as I started looking into the whole aspect of what Jesus calls community, or really he calls it family, is that the whole thing about the kingdom of God is that we're not, it's not, the kingdom of God is the opposite of individualism. There's no such thing as an individual in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we are family and we're in this together. We reap, we mourn, lose heart you're not in this alone we're in this together when you struggle I struggle when you succeed I succeed come on we are interconnected people and so what you do when you're struggling in your meantime is you just stay in the boat well how long does it take to get to my win I don't know I don't know but I can guarantee this, if you don't stay in the boat, you'll never get there. If 
you don't stay in the boat, you'll never get there. It's God's plan for our lives to stay in the boat. With your frustration, with your hard heart, it doesn't matter, He's taking you to the wind. And you will get there. You will get there. You will get there. Why don't you close your eyes in this place just for a moment? And I, I want to pray for people this morning that just feel like, man, I am so stuck in my meantime. Or maybe you've been like, man, I, I've jumped ship. I jumped ship. Tried to swim back to the shore that I came from, but now I'm, I'm basically drowning. Here's the good thing. In Mark's gospel, it doesn't talk about how Peter walked on the water in that story. But it does in the other gospels. And when Peter got out of the boat and he started to sink, Jesus was right there to lift him up and help him get back in the boat. And if you've stepped out of the boat, if you've tried to swim back to shore and you feel like you're drowning, here's the good news. Jesus is here to give you his hand to lift you up out of your drowning and get you back in the boat. And if you're frustrated, friend, welcome. Welcome to all of our worlds. We're all frustrated. And the, the meantime is one of the most frustrating places you can ever be. Other people call it a wilderness experience. But here's the thing. You'll never get to your win if you don't stay in the boat. And I want to pray for you today. If you feel like you're, you're stuck, if you're frustrated, you feel like, man, when is this ever going to happen? I want to pray that God will come along into your world and give you an ability to celebrate that you're not who you used to be and also that you would have a, a, an appreciation or a gratitude of the power of obscurity that God can work on your character in such a way that when he launches you, that you don't have those faults for everybody to see, that God is doing something in you so that God can do something through you. And if you've jumped out of the boat, friend, I want to tell you today, I'm going to pray that God would come along and he'd put out his hand and you'd take his hand and you would get right back into the boat. Right back into the boat. If you're here today and you're like, man, would you pray for me that that I'm just frustrated. I, I, I'm so like, man, I don't know what, where I am, what I'm doing. I'm so frustrated. I feel like quitting. I feel like losing. Or maybe you have lost heart. Maybe you've jumped out of the boat, whatever it is, and you're here and you're crazy. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I'll, I'll be able to be... I'll be able to see how far I've come and there'll be such a joy to my life because I'm not who I used to be, that I would have an ability to appreciate that God is doing something in me before he does something through me. Or if you're here today and you're like, man, I'd love Jesus to just put out his hand and help me get back into the boat. If you're here this morning, like, Ben Craig, would you pray for me? I'm just going to ask you in just a moment that you lift up your hand. And when I see it, I ask you to put it down. And then we're going to pray corporately that God will come along and reach out his hand and lift you back into the boat. That God will come along and restore to you the joy of your salvation. And that there would be something significant that would take place in your life right now. Because I believe as a church that we are in a meantime. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but I know that there's a, an amazing win at the end of it. And we're not going to we're not going to change course and we're not going to get out of the boat. We're going to stick in until we see God do everything that he wants to do in the life of our church family. And that includes you. So if you're here today and you're like, man, would you, would you pray for me? Why don't you stick up your hand right now in this place? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else this morning? You're like, man, I just need Jesus to help me get back in the boat to get the joy back of my salvation. Anybody else this morning? Why don't we all, thank you, why don't we all stand to our feet? pray and if you didn't put your hand up this morning church that's when you need to pray for those that did because you know what we're all in this together yes almost feels like a high school musical all in this together okay 
Jesus' name. All right, let's pray. Father, for those that have jumped out of the boat and feel like they're drowning, would you come right now, put out your hand and lift them back up and into the boat? Would they sense your hand upon them right now? Would they sense your love and your grace and your mercy and your goodness, that they would feel the strength of the boat come around their lives? God, that even as they go into the foyer after church, that the strength of the boat, the church would come around them in such a way that they feel solidified and safe again because they are back in the boat. For those that are in the boat and they're frustrated and how long is this going to be and why hasn't it happened yet and maybe their hearts have got a little bit hard. It's okay because God takes hard-hearted people to the winds. He always does it. But God, I pray that you restore to them the joy of their salvation, that they'll see how far they have come and that there will be a joy to their lives that I'm not who I used to be. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I want to be, but at least I'm not who I used to be. And God, that they would appreciate that in the meantime is when you're doing something in them so that when they get to the wind, you can do something through them and that we would stay in the boat. No matter what, that we'd keep doing all the things that we know to do because we're going to trust you because you are faithful and all our lives you have been faithful. All our lives you have been good. All our lives you have poured out salvation and forgiveness and grace and mercy. Even before we knew you, you died for us. And so, Father, we thank you that you've never, ever left us. You're always with us. May we take our eyes off the questions that we have, looking for the answers we want, and would we fix our eyes back onto Jesus, who we need. In Jesus' name, do that for every single person. In this place, we pray. And those listening to my voice online, that it happened for them as well, that the, the frustration would drop off and they would learn Lord, to just be at peace and at rest and trust in you and what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you all. Thank you for coming out today. Please stick around in the foyer. Get to know us. Fill out a Live Connected card. And uh, you can drop that in the Dropbox or hand it at the cafe and get yourself a free coffee or whatever. Otherwise, have an amazing next couple of Sundays. We'll see you in three Sundays. And um, you know, don't forget Lakina as well, if you're going to give towards all of that. And we'll see you when we get back. God bless. Have an incredible, incredible week as you stay in the boat. God bless.